Rumblefish. This is the time, this is the place, and this is FC3 Monkey Business, your one-stop shop for everything geeky, and since everything is geeky when you love it enough, you never know what you're going to get. This is your host, I am C, and this week we're talking about the newest Doctor on Doctor Who and her companions. After that, stick around for the upcoming events and our question of the week. And uh, I'm, I, I'm on a dare right now, so... No. I no. Can, don't I you dare. I need no. to figure don't out what voice you, I need what, to use tonight. What, what's, dare. It, what, what, what's a dare, Chris? <laughs> what's a dare? I think I think they were challenging to see what kind of voices I could use today. I'm going to get stabbed with a pen somewhere along the line. I'm pretty sure of it. Although the producer knows you don't stab and the talent. And a shoe thrown at <laughs> you. And a shoe thrown There's a second <laughs> talent, so... <laughs> she can stab the first... We can do this without you. Oh, okay, fine. Works for me. <laughs> I need a day off. <laughs> can you do it without Cash me? Man. <laughs> I know, seriously, you can do it without Billy, though. <laughs> Cash and Aaron, and Aaron are in the production booth. How out. are you doing, guys? They just recorded their podcast down the hall. Nice! Hey. So, in the studio with me, as usual, is the legendary Billy DeTori. Hi. Not to be confused with the infamous Billy DeTori that yeah. they were talking about earlier this week on his Something normal like show. That. The yeah. infamous Billy DeTori? They, they were talking about the infamous well, Billy DeTori. They, they were discussing how infamous is a wrong term to use when some people decide to use it. They think it's good, but infamous is bad. Yeah. So yeah. it means I was listening. Yeah. Yeah, I was listening. Well, Thank we do you. listen. I do listen. Yes. And that's the Only voice until about of, 7.05. And that's the voice of the equally legendary Tanya Metris. Hello, Which, Tanya Metris. I don't know how long this voice is going to last today. I know. You've been a little under the weather lately. Just a little bit. That's okay. Well, we're not going to push you. Water, cough drops, the cough button. I got yeah. it. It's all good. She said. <laughs> To my right <coughs> is somebody yeah, else that I'm going to talk about in a moment. To my left <laughs> was going to stand is the ever-wonderful Anne. Hi, Anne. Hi, Chris. How's Anne Liebeck doing today? We're good. We're good? You hanging out with us today? It is. Got a couple of episodes day. going on. And then the mighty monk, <laughs> Miss Alana, is here. There she is. But then also to my right is our, our lovely producer, Sherry, who is going to stab me with a pen somewhere before the end of the evening. I'm pretty sure of it. <laughs> I'm watching Cashman in the booth trying to figure out what he's mimicking for us type thing he's like they should counting. come in and join us man counting or whatever yeah come on in come on dr in, who we're gonna talk about dr who and, and uh and later on next week we're talking about buffy the vampire slayer so we might get aaron 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 you need to talk about your teenage angst man go over to Weezy's. yeah seriously uh, oh, how much time do you have i can talk all day on that <laughs> which one dr who or buffy or teenage angst <laughs> yeah, I think even at our ripe old ages, we still manage to get into the teenage my, angst. My coworkers, so Aaron Sawicki and Rich Jones, have also joined us right now. There What's go. going on, everybody? It's, it's good to be here. It's a thing. It's good yeah. to see you guys. Thanks for the invite for a few seconds. I've always wanted to sit in on you guys. You guys are fantastic. Oh, thanks, Aww. man. I appreciate it. Thank you so much. Hey, since you know how to push the buttons, I may leave. <laughs> <laughs> Except I'm your uh, ride. Okay. Also, can I just... Yeah. Can I just say it feels weird to just be kneeling right here? I, I don't yeah, know what's I, been here. Sorry, <laughs> I the chair. Let me tell you, there's been a couple of occasions where I've sat in that spot, and yeah, you feel this aura of, Ugh. um, <laughs> it's hard to describe. Power. Power. Of I would power. say ch channeling legendary talk radio. That's uh, it. I, you know, but I just I feel like I should really have like a much deeper, more gravelly voice when I'm sitting there. <laughs> give me a little while. Give, give, I'll probably have that gravelly voice. Tanya's been fighting off Next something week, all week. Next week, that will be Tanya. Mm. All right. Mm. So, how we doing, gang? Everybody's good. 
We're yeah, all having we're a good, good time. Aaron, things are coming along real well for you guys over there? Things are awesome on the K&B show nice. right now. Yeah, we've got a new producer over there. Yeah, she seems to be doing a pretty good job over there. Yeah. Chrissy's having some fun. Chrissy's great. I've been showing her the ropes, mm-hmm. and we're just having a lot of fun. That's, I mean, see, that's, that's the key. Yeah, that's really that's all I can key. say about it. Did you, did you know this is like, what episode is this for us? It's like 101, 102? Uh, 103, 103? I believe. So we, we've done this 103 times now, and we still keep coming back for more. <laughs> Why? So we got to be Gluttons doing something. for punishment. we got to be doing something we're enjoying, I guess. That's that's a thing. There so, it is. So All right. So we're going to take a quick break. Mm-hmm. When we come back, I'm going to try on a couple of different voices, and then we're going to be talking about the, the most recent series of Doctor Who, because that's Yay. a thing. Yes, it is. And I'm going to vamp until the music starts. There we go. <laughs> <laughs> I had to find it. I'm out of practice. It's all right. It's all good. We still love you, Billy. Mm-hmm. Don't know. And honestly, why are you listening to us if you don't? Uh, Doctor Who is a BBC science fiction television program that began in 1963. Let that one soak in for a moment. In the show's narrative, the Doctor is a time-traveling humanoid alien from a race known as the Time Lords. To account for the actor's departure from the series, the program introduced a narrative concept of regeneration, a means for a Time Lord to gain a new appearance and a distinct new personality when the Doctor approaches the end of a current incarnation, usually a heroic death, and a great death scene, usually a great parting speech, and then boom, you've got your regeneration, which has changed and evolved over the years, and then you've got yourself your brand new face, and a new actor takes the role on. And that's pretty much why the show has survived for... Uh, 50, what, 55 years now at this point? That's amazing. 55 years. I think, is there only one of us that's been around in 63? I was born in 65. So oh, none of so us. No, none, none of us. The entire Three panel. all of us. Wow. So, I, I figured uh, you were close. Yeah, I'm close, but. The 13th Doctor is the current incarnation of the character and is portrayed by English actress Jodie Whittaker. The first woman to portray the character in the series. Whitaker appeared the first time as the 13th Doctor at the end of the 2017 Christmas special, Twice Upon a Time, and stars as the Doctor in the program's 11th series. All right, so there's a whole write-up here, and I'm going to go through it because I think it's pretty cool. So I'm going to do this some justice, and then we're going to jump into talking about what we think of it. The concept of a female Doctor was first mentioned in 1981, when Tom Baker suggested his successor might be female. I remember the direct quote. We were talking about this in the car right over, Sherry. He was saying something to the effect of, well, good luck to whoever he or she is. And people went bonkers with that. That was amazing. So after announcing the end of his tenure as the fourth Doctor, this occurred. Producer John Nathan Turner later discussed the possibility of casting a woman as the sixth Doctor to replace the, the departing Peter Davison's fifth. 
claiming it was feasible, but not something he was considering at the moment. In October of 1986, during the transmission of Colin Baker's final season as the sixth Doctor, series creator Sidney Newman wrote to BBC controller Michael Grade with a suggestion that at a later stage, Doctor Who should be metamorphosed into a woman. Don French, Joanna Lumley, and Francis Delatour were suggested by Newman in 1986 for the role, but were dismissed by the BBC. Lumley later appeared as a satirical version of the 13th Doctor in the 1999 comic relief special The Curse of the Fatal Death. Arabella Weir also played an alternate third Doctor in Doctor Who Unbound, a big finish ex- episode named Exile. Neither portrayal is typically considered to be with the sh- within the show's main continuity. Producer Jane Tranter also considered casting Judy Dench as the ninth Doctor, which that would have been completely oh. and holistically badass. I'm just going to say that right now. That would have been awesome. Helen Mirren was also suggested for Another the role badass. of the 12th Doctor. Oh my God, both of those women are, are uh, just amazing, yeah. amazing human beings and amazing actresses. So I, I would have been completely awesome with either of those ideas. The concept of the Time Lords changing sex upon regeneration was seeded throughout Moffat's tenure as showrunner. In the 2011 The Doctor's Wife, the Doctor recalls a Time Lord acquaintance known as the Corsair, who had at least two female incarnations. And, and, and when he was a woman, she, he was bad. Anyway, <laughs> in the 2013 short The Night of the Doctor, the Sisterhood of Karn offered the Dying Eighth, played by Paul McCann, uh, control over his inevitable regeneration with, quote-unquote, man or woman being touted as possibilities among a bunch of others. The first on-screen cross-gender regeneration was shown in 2015 episode Hell Bent, in which a white male Gallifreyan general, played by Ken Bones, regenerates into a black woman, Tania Miller, uh, who then states that her previous incarnation was the only time she'd ever been a man, and how do they deal with all that ego? (laughs) That was a great quote. All right, so the most notable Time Lord to have appeared in both male and female forms prior to Whitaker's casting is the Doctor's nemesis, The Master portrayed from 2014 to 2017 by Scottish actress Michelle Gomez. The character was known as Missy, short for Mistress. The 10th series finale, World Enough in Time and the Doctor Falls, addresses cross-gender regeneration several times. The Doctor tells his companion Bill Potts, played by Pearl Mackey, that Missy was his first man crush (laughs) and adds that he is only fairly sure he himself was male at the time, (laughs) although the remark may have been flippant to amuse (laughs) the audience so now we have Jodie Whittaker and she is at this point what five episodes into series 11 as we're talking now and I have not well no I have not seen the one that just came out I don't think we're Uh, two behind we're two behind I've seen them all I've seen them all I'm trying to remember the last one I saw uh, oh the last one I saw they were trapped on the spaceship yes and then the, the guy was pregnant. Yes, that yes. was the last okay. one I saw. I have. I am. I'm caught up because there's a new episode tonight. Because we the record night that on, we're recording. Yeah, we night we record on Sundays. Everybody knows yeah. that by now. Um, we've talked about it often enough. So. So is that the fourth episode? It's the fifth. Is no, it the, f- the sixth? Well, sixth. Yeah. Thank you, Anne. I'm it is. lost. Um, <laughs> there was. I've seen them all, but I just. There was her first. A woman fell to earth. Mm-hmm. And then there was their the continuation. F- then there was the continuation of that. Uh, which they were in the that race. Yes, that where they on the, found, in the desert found mm-hmm. the the prize. Right, where they find the prize, which was the TARDIS. Mm-hmm. And then, uh, then there was Rosa. Rosa Par- oh, the then, Rosa then Parks there was episode. the Spider. And the Spider episode. Have not seen that yet. And then there's the episode okay. on the runaway spaceship. So tonight's the sixth. Tonight's the sixth. Okay. Where they dip into one of the companions past. 
Yes. Ish. Yeah. Yes. Sort right. of, because they like yeah. interact with her grandmother when her grandmother was still pretty young. Anyway, I, I just know that from the trailer, so that's not spoiler. Yeah, that rest. was on Twitter. Yeah. So, all right. So, as I've mentioned on several occasions, uh, and and I've, I've gone on record in both both ends of the the spectrum here, uh, in and in my Doctor Who panels, when asked, you know, should the next Doctor be a woman? I've always been very cautious about that. As a matter of fact, <clears throat> I was outright kind of against it at the beginning because I was worried that it would be a gimmick. I would worry that there was basically just be the producers of the show bowing to um, pressure and it wouldn't be done right. That they would find some, they would find the wrong actress or they would do it the wrong way. And and I am happy to be wrong. I will say that right now. I, I have I have been, uh, my any fears that I may have had were allayed pretty much within, I'd say the first 20 minutes of her very first episode because they have not made it a thing. Thank God they have not made it a thing. They just, it's, it's. It's a, a part of life and moving on, you know, because at one point in like early in her first episode, uh, somebody says, Madam, and, and the doctor looks back. Why are you calling me Madam? Uh, because you're a woman. Really? Does it suit me? OK. <laughs> and, I, and then off and running. Uh-huh. Didn't nothing. Else. And then later on, when she finds her new her, you know, her, her, her iconic outfit. Right. But all doctors have that one kind of theme to their their dress, uh, you know, and uh, I don't know. It's been a long time since I've Bought women's clothing, and that those were the only two comments about the doctor being a woman. And uh, that's, I think, well, they've probably made some other illusions, you know. And then, you know, because you had naturally people are going to be talking to, you know, the, you know, well, it's her, it's she, does she, you know? So there, there's a natural kind of evolution to it. But I have not seen it as been a focus of conversation. Who no, wants to I argue with me on did, that? Ha- did happen to find. I uh, heard some grumping. No, I did happen to find an interview that Jody actually was in on the costuming yes. decision mm-hmm. for her costume. Mo- most of the actors do. That she wanted something with pockets. Yeah. <laughs> yes. All women want pockets. And she's got a fanny pack. Has anybody noticed uh, that? She's yes. been like using her fanny pack. Um, so what were you going to say, Monk? Uh, I was going to say, in the Rosa Parks episode... Uh, she got called ma'am, and she was like, right, I still have to get used to that. Yeah. <laughs> so little little comments like that, but it's not, you're not getting any, for lack of a better way to describe it, you're not getting any stereotypical female reference. Oh, well, you know, not, they're not doing any, like, trope-type commentary about it. They're not like, she's not going, my God, she's not grabbing her chest and going, these are getting in the way. What the hell? Uh, how did, you know, there's yeah. nothing, like, outrageously, it's just like, all right, you're a woman, matter of course, on your way. You know, which I think is the best way to handle it. But I have to say that I do like that they're not ignoring the fact that that's going to change how she um, interacts yeah. with history. Mm-hmm. When they go back, when like e- even in the Rosa Parks, mm-hmm. she had to remember that, okay, I'm not a white man looking person. Mm-hmm. I'm a woman. Mm-hmm. And I like that they really, really did that very strongly with the two uh, people of color companions. Yes, that they were okay. This is not. This is not the same way I've dealt with history in the past. Mm-hmm. And I really like that because that's going to open up new storylines, mm-hmm. which I really love. I do. I, I think that's going to be great, and I think they're opening them up organically, mm-hmm. and if they're not forcing it. Um, and, and later in the conversation, I do want to talk about the absolute astounding negativity that has been rolling around on online over this, because I don't get what people's problems are. I mean, it's it's amazing. Like the the, the crux of it, every comment I've heard 
that's negative or writ or read online is the hor- the writing is absolutely atrocious. The writing is garbage. The writing is horrible. I'm like, um, are we watching Excuse the you? same show? Yeah. Are we? Yeah, seriously, are we watching the same show at the moment? I disagree, but I think that it's been uneven. To be yeah. honest with you, but a first series, but not of bad. A new Doctor, I, I, yeah, I, I've enjoyed it. There's just some episodes I've enjoyed more than others, mm. but I haven't gone away going. I'm never going to watch this again. I'm outraged at right. what they've done. No, it's it's been fine. It's mm-hmm. been good. It's been excellent. It's been okay. Yeah, uh, the, the first series of Every Doctor is always in my bit in my opinion shaky because you're trying to write for a new character. You're trying to figure out you know get their legs under them. Uh, Russell T. Davies had had it easy because nobody had expectations about Doctor Who and Christopher Eccleston jump back on in 2005. See, I don't. I see it as being just the opposite. He he had a lot riding on it. If people well, you want the success it. of the show, but yeah, there's no there's not a lot of preconceived notions from a new audience though. True. You know, you have what you're dealing with right now is you have a you're you've cultivated a brand new uh, audience in the modern internet age where everybody has a damn opinion whether you like it or not, <laughs> right? <laughs> So, yeah, you have the preconceived notions of everybody who watched the show in the past and you're trying to impress them. So if you do a decent enough job, you will. But then you have to tailor that for a whole slew of other people. Mm -hmm. And then he got to he was already in his stride when David Tennant took over. He wrote for David Tennant. So that's why David Tennant's first season, in my opinion, is probably the strongest of all the new guys, because he'd already had his writing stride. He knew what his his rhythm was going to be. He just had to tailor it to go from Chris to Dave. Yeah. Now, when David leaves and you get Matt Smith, Peter, um, Stephen Moffat's taking over, you know, so now the first couple of episodes of Matt Smith's ten, uh, tenure as the Doctor are a little weird at times because you have a new showrunner and a new Doctor and they're trying to figure each other out. Yeah. As much as I love the second episode of Matt Smith's Doctor. Um, Is that the Victory of the Daleks? No. It was the, um, it was the um, Beast Below. Space Whale. Huh? Beast Below. Yes. Okay. Space Whale. As much as I loved that episode, I thought it was a fantastic episode and Mm -hmm. had dealt with a lot of things. um, That portrayal, Matt's portrayal of the Doctor, Mm -hmm. is so vastly different than anything else you see from him at any other point. That it was it was such an anomaly that going (laughs) back and watching it, yeah, it feels weird. It feels almost a little bit like he's channeling his inner inner. 10. Actually, yeah. Like the, like the episode was written for David, but you know, yeah. but Matt's the one kind During of... During the time when I started really having issues mm-hmm. with 10. 10's departure or 10? Just when he got so angry and arrogant, I really had an issue. Yeah, the, 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 final, the, the final episodes of David Tennant were not my favorites. No, they're great and they're powerful and they're emotional and I wish they didn't happen. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> But, you know, so anyway, the, the point comes all the way full circle to the fact that we have a first season with a new showrunner, uh, you know, in essence, a new production crew. You have a new doctor. You have a new attitude for everything. So, you know, they're, they're trying to find their feet. And I think they're starting to. I'm starting to see the 13th kind of coalesce a little bit more into her own personality. My, my humble opinion is that the fact that Jodie Whittaker and David Tennant are such good friends because they've worked on a couple of different shows before and they've also, they are good friends. They, they chat all the time. I, I honestly think that Jodie is channeling <clears throat> her inner David Tennant a little bit too much. I see a lot of 10 in 13, which not a bad thing because mm. 10's a very popular character. 
But I'm seeing a lot of like tens delivery and tens mannerisms in 13 <clears throat> at the moment. But I see a lot of 11s <coughs> manic energy. Yep. Yes. I I've, do see that. I'm reading something on Radio Times and it was um, put out about five hours ago. It says, the Doctor Who half-term report, how is Jodie Whittaker's first series doing so far? That's the whole thing. Okay. Um, and so there's been a lot of different people putting it. Um, Jonathan Hughes states, Jodie Whittaker is the Doctor. She inhabits the role more naturally than Peter Capaldi did at the start, perhaps because she's channeling the excited puppy mannerisms of Tennant and Smith. They, see, there we go. Yeah. So it just kind of confirms what we were just talking about. That's I love it when the professionals agree with me. Yes, Alana, go. Um, I think one of my favorite things was when we, her first episode, mm -hmm. you got to see a mixture of Capaldi's and Tennant's uh, well, they were like after they regenerated. Yeah, it was almost like she was bounding back and forth between nine and twelve. You, she, I didn't see many of the classics in her. You know, you could probably say that ten and, and eleven are kind of like evolutions of seven and mm -hmm. and a bit of two. Well, but, those were her quote unquote most recent regenerations, so that would yeah. be like the memories that she has, like, right, right to the surface. So, I mean, I did see a lot of her channel. <laughs> I even saw her channeling um, nine. On a couple of occasions mm -hmm. when she got a little stern with people. Yes. You know, you, people can say, well, that was 12, but no, nine was ridiculously on people's ass if, if you were if you were in his crosshairs. And I did like something that she did that I don't remember um, any uh, 10, 11, or 12 doing. It mm -hmm. was her commenting, I mean, except other than the teeth, when, when he's like, mm, new teeth, I got to get yeah. used to that. Um, her talking about, her, well, my arms used to be longer, and yeah. and her like trying to get used to this whole new body. Um, and maybe it's because like with 11, he didn't, really didn't have time. He was dealing with crisis immediately. Uh -huh. um, and 12 didn't know who he, who he was. Right. Um, but she had a little bit of disorientation, <laughs> but I think that was more from being thrown out of the TARDIS. And Lana has a theory that that was uh, stop regenerating in me. <laughs> you keep breaking my breaking Yeah, the my TARDIS memories. is a little pissed off that the regenerations keep happening in the console room. Can we cut the crap on that one, please? Yeah. We had enough of that. That hurt. Yeah, um, but I liked those references where, mm -hmm. okay, I used to be, my arm, I loved that. My arms used to be longer, or referring to the white-haired Scottish gentleman. Yes, half an hour I was a white-haired, half an hour ago I was a white-haired Scotsman. Yeah. yeah, so I liked that, and, and, and that was, and the only one I remember doing that was Tenet. Mm -hmm. Well, there is a brief moment in the 11th hour uh, in Matt Smith's first when he meets Jeff in Jeff's apartment the first time. Mm -hmm. And he, he's like, he goes on tiptoes and bounces up and down a little bit because he sees Jeff is very tall. So he's trying to measure himself based against, you know, on a, like a visual cue. So I, I do see that kind of a brief, but that's like the only time that that 11 kind of really... I never saw that as that him trying to be... Uh, well, I was taller well, so when can, I was 10. But you, you, can just... also, you can also... The, the whole uh, kitchen scene with, with <laughs> Catherine that. Sutherland there not Kathleen Sutherland. Kay, um, Caitlin Blackwood. Caitlin Blackwood. I switched my FC3 guests there for a second there. <laughs> Just a second. Um, but with Caitlin Blackwood, that whole scene in the kitchen where he's yeah. going through different trying foods. Trying to figure out his taste buds. He's trying buds. to figure out his taste buds. That, you could probably say, kind of yeah. fits in with that, you know? Yeah. And and um, True. Very true. I wish they did more with the kidney line. 12s tw and 12s. For kidneys! I've got new kidneys! I don't like the color. I wish there was some <laughs> sort of a, a, call, a throwback to that. That would have been fun, I think. But Is she asked if she's a ginger yet? 
No, she hasn't talked about gin- being a ginger yet. She just has gone right about her business. And, it, and her hair has fallen in her face, so there's been plenty of opportunity to see not a ginger. Yeah, very obviously not a ginger, considering yeah. how light her hair is. Yes. Not the first blonde doctor, mind you. No. No. That's, maybe, go ahead, maybe that color of blonde, if she's not perfect. No. No, uh, Davison and, and, and Colin Baker and were Colin both. And Colin Baker were both light blondes. Yeah. Okay. Were pale blondes. Yeah, fair-haired. Yep. Okay. But yeah, I, I like that she went through comatose, and I don't quite remember who I am at the same time. Yeah. That's nice. Yeah. So, I like I said at the top of the, the conversation, um, I'm happy to be wrong at this point. Um, I am enjoying Jodie Whittaker as the doctor. I'm really thinking she's doing a good job. Um, she has not given me that quintessential moment. She's not a favorite yet. You know, like Peter Capaldi had that speech in the Zygon inversion. Uh, about war and what he saw in war and and the way that you know he reacted to the time war and and how it changed him forever as an individual how he will carry that memory for his entire lifespan no matter what his face is you know that the way he delivered that speech the pain in that the emotion in it that's it sold it for, and then there was a series of events after that I'm like Capaldi is now my all-time favorite doctor and that beats out I will say it that beats out Tom Baker which is very challenging for a guy who's watched the show since he was eight years old to say. So Jody hasn't had that moment yet. I don't remember the name of the episode, but the Peter Capaldi one that really made me adore him was the one where they were they visited him as a child. Oh yeah, that episode. Yeah, and that and the um, one in the castle. Fear's a superpower one. And the the, the castle one. The castle with Robin Hood. No, the one after um, after he lost his companion. And he's alone in the castle. Oh, right. That was That's, an incredible um, Heaven episode. Sent. Yes, that was an incredible, incredible heaven, episode. Yeah, it was just him. Yeah. And and that ghostly figure in the background that was pushing him forward all the time. It was just, oh my God. I think that's one of the best episodes of Doctor Who right. ever. That, that, was, that was a top one. That ranked right up there with Blink, in my opinion. I, I agree with you. Uh, and then he goes to war in Hellbent. Where he looks Rassilon in the eye and kicks him off the planet. <laughs> that was fantastic. I'm like, oh my god, here's this mythical figure, and you're just going to go ahead and treat him like a punk in the in the playground. Um, but yeah, no, Jody has not had that moment for me yet. But you know, it's still early. Why does she have to have it in the first series she's on board? Why can't she have it? You know, have that tour de force moment in her second or her third? Uh, her ratings are good. Mm. She's going to be she's going to be popular. She's going to be solid. There's a lot of naysayers who are already jumping ship. But you know what I've learned about the internet? Most of it sucks. <laughs> you know, most everybody's everybody's so <laughs> empowered to have these opinions, and and they're they're bolstered by anonymity. So they're going to go ahead and say whatever they think is right because they're obviously right and nobody else is. And then you know, look at that. We've got an orange Cheeto as a freaking tr- president because of it. But anyway, you know, uh, bless you. You okay over there? Yep. Hanging in there. Uh-huh. So you know, you just can't look at the popular opinion because. On, on Facebook and on Twitter and on fa- forums and all that stuff, people are like, oh, they're savaging her. She's terrible. The writing is horrible. This is terrible. But you know what? The ratings are good. There's people watching it. Mm-hmm. So I'd rather look at that. You know, <laughs> There's a lot of young people who were not watching it before that are. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Did you, did you see the person who challenged Neil Gaiman? Oh my God! Yeah, Neil Gaiman that. said that before he. Before you get into, oh, sorry. Before you get into that, Billy, you had a point. You no, wanted to say I, something. I just. My wife has been a fan since we started watching the Eccleston. Yeah. And no, a couple of years ago, we. I said, "Hey, I'm hearing good things about Doctor Who." So we watched Eccleston and mm-hmm. Tennant and and Matt Smith, and 
she is so in love with Jodie Whittaker as a doctor just because she feels represented as a woman. And I trust Susan's opinion, so yeah. we're in good shape there. So I, I, do, do you think more women are watching it because of a woman doctor? I don't I know. I don't. I, you know what? I don't think more accused. women. I don't think women, more women are watching it. But what I think is more girls, more young girls are going to start mm. watching it now. Because that's going to give them that that moment of of like, hey, I like boys can see themselves as the doctor, but now girls can too. Mm-hmm. You know, and, and I how think how dare they? I, I think that's a fantastic thing. You know, let the girls be the time lord too. You know, there was there was a, a try at reaching out to all ages and genders uh, back in the eighties during Tom Baker's the end of his run when they brought in Romana, an equal, a, a time lady. And she regenerated with him, and and she changed faces, and she was in there solving problems and and being more than just the screaming, you know, damsel in distress. She was in in the mix and, and working right along with them and solving problems. And so back in the '80s, there was Doctor Who's attempt to say everybody can be on board in this in this adventure. And then, and then of course, Michael Grade got his hands on on BBC drama and did whatever he could to try and kill the show off and succeeded. But anyway, here we are now in the 21st century. Yeah. On October 8th, Neil, Ga- Neil Gaiman po- mm-hmm. tweeted, I just watched The Woman Who Fell to Earth. That was definitely The Doctor. Not that I had any real doubts, but it's wonderful to see how much of The Doctor she is. And somebody responded, yeah. Ah, so you're a new fan because The Doctor is a woman and not a real fan of the show since the 60s then. And, and, he, Neil, and Neil shut the guy down. And his response hard. was, my first episodes of Doctor Who were the first William Hartnell Dalek story. You can read about it in my introduction to the first Doctor Who novelization. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, come on. Who is going to take on Neil Gaiman, for God's sake? What the hell is that all about? <laughs> that's, that's, that's like walking up to, um, to, to Stephen Hawking and say, oh, you obviously don't know enough about particle <laughs> physics. <laughs> You know, it's like, what? He's written <laughs> novelizations. He wrote probably one of the best episodes of New Who. The, the Doctor's Wife. It was an incredible he wrote it. episode. I mean, you know, he's just an amazing writer to yeah. begin with. <laughs> yep. And, and and a diehard fan. You can know that by talking to him at any given moment in time. He's talked about the show on several occasions over decades. But yeah, no, you're a new fan because the Doctor's Wife. Well, shut the hell up. You're an idiot. Whoever, who was the person who wrote that? What's the person's name who wrote that? Uh, Brendan Toogood is, is his name. Brendan Toogood. If by any chance you ever start listening to this, I want you to know that I personally think you're a moron. <laughs> <laughs> Damn. I'm just going to throw that out there right now. Burn. Seriously. <laughs> that is the dumbest thing I've ever seen. Wow. And I've seen some stupidity. I work for the city. Anyway. <laughs> And Neil Gaiman wants to write for Jody. I think he should. I, I think BBC he would be stupid. He writes women well. He writes everybody well. Yeah. But yeah, he created Idris for The Doctor's Wife, and that was a fantastic character to, to watch in action. It was so much fun. I like biting. It's like kissing, <laughs> except with a winner. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Best <He's>, quote <laughs> Six. Ever. Neil Gaiman says, Doctor Who's the one call that I will always take, he said. It's like a drug. It doesn't go out of your system. It, you're right. <laughs> so he goes, even if they'd already had things written and filming is wrapped, he's like, he's still ready to answer the phone. He's like, I'll, oh, yeah. I'll, I'll definitely answer that one. <laughs> you, need, you need one for three seasons down the road, I'm in. You know, mm-hmm. it's like, hey, come on, it's a show about time travel. You want me to write a, write an episode for season five? I can do that, too. <laughs> yeah, no kidding. You know? Oh, man. So, uh, go ahead. Question for everyone. Yes, Monk. Uh, through the ones that my mom and I have seen, which we ended at the Rosa Parks one, mm-hmm. most heart-wrenching moment. 
So far. So far, because oh, there's so been far so in, far in the in the in the Jodie Whittaker era only. Yes. Okay. The most heart wrenching uh, moment for me is when you realize the woman who fell to earth is not referring to the doctor, but you're referring to uh, Ryan's Ryan's nan. When you, when you put that little two I plus two wanted to... her to be a companion. companion. Oh, I know. She would have been amazing. Which is exactly what you're supposed to be thinking. Yes, mm-hmm. she I know. is. She I is know. the impetus to get Ryan and Graham to go out and and mm-hmm. see see what's going on out there. Rosa Parks episode for me with mm-hmm. Graham. He didn't want to be on that bus. No, he he was he didn't want to be a part of that that moment it of was history. Such it felt for him. It felt like such a betrayal uh-huh. of his wife. Yes. To be there at that time. To be there preventing a anybody from Yeah. Yeah. I I could see the pain in his eyes. That was rough. That was a rough moment. Yeah. Yeah. For me so far, that has been the most heart wrenching. (laughs) Well, and that's the thing is is Doctor Who is very good at pulling absolutely no punches whatsoever. It doesn't matter how many companions survived when they shouldn't have over the years, there's always going to be that moment that drives the the knife right into the the old uh, chest there and it's like, oh, Okay, that happened. See, I'm a sucker for the perfect musical cue and that mm-hmm. Andrew Day song Rise Up at the end of yeah. Rosa Park episode. Yeah. yeah. It's okay. Yeah, yeah. You got <laughs> it. Close it. There you go. That's it. That's it. When yep. when the music can become the extra character. Mm-hmm. Like like Aaron Sorkin was great with the, with West Wing. The music, the background, the soundtrack was always like just an additional member of the of the staff, you know, that's that that was always a thing. And and I think with the departure of Murray Gold as the music coordinator for Doctor Who and getting in new showrunner, new thing. I think you're starting to see that already. You're starting to see that that uh, that uh, that willingness to reach out and find something to fit the moment. Yeah, we're going to be circling back to that idea next week when we okay. talk about Buffy because the music is such an important. Oh yeah, part because I mean, it's Buffy. part of the the evolution of that whole era. Mm-hmm. The, it's like not basically just, encapsulation just the of the 1990s. Not just the bands, but mm-hmm. the but uh, Christopher. I'm totally blanking on his last name. He d- his scores mm-hmm. were incredible. All right. So, anything else we want to talk about right now? I mean, we're, we all seem to be very positive, and have, you haven't really entered two cents into this conversation yet. I, I'm seeing a family dynamic change. Um, okay. Where Doctor Who used to be what Dad watched in the corner is uh-huh. now. The whole family's gathering, yes. mm-hmm. uh-huh. and that is very refreshing to see from a sci-fi show bringing in more family and kids. Awesome! Can I, That's be, a great observation. Before the first episode, uh, they had a little pre-watch for like a. Did Did any of you watch that pre-game thing? A little bit. Countdown? A little bit. No. I was just curious your thoughts. It um, seemed too. I wanted to enjoy it and seemed it seemed a bit too, too ham-fisted. Yeah. yeah, it was too too. Um, there, we want you. You're gonna like it. You're gonna like this. Is gonna be yeah. awesome. This is gonna be great. Instead of touting what it represented, it was, I'm not sure what I expected, but it yeah. wasn't that. I, I will tell you this. I'm very disappointed with BBC America because the channel itself um, does not get it. the 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 episodes are are. I mean, it's like there's a commercial every minute and a half. Yeah. And, it, and, and it's weird because I DVR it mm-hmm. and um, it will like seem to be coming back uh-huh. and, and then cut back out and then go on yeah. to something. I'm like. Yeah. You get like a 15 second se- teaser, teaser of, of what's of coming. Right. And I'm like, wait, yeah. And then another commercial. Yeah, I'm they like, do that every episode. A- they also, <laughs> they, 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 mm. they kill episodes too, because I was watching the marathon leading up to Jody's first. 
And I've seen these episodes on DVD. I've seen these episodes mm. first run. And there are a lot of pieces and parts missing. Well, you got to have been, room for all those commercials. you got to have room for all the commercials. Susan exactly. has the feeling that there's parts of these new episodes missing. Oh, I agree. If you watch it I on agree. demand and not DVR it, they take all the commercials out and it is a full 50 minutes. So if you watch it on demand, you get more than if you watch okay. it or DVR. I don't have demand. Uh, if you do it through, because if you want to pay for it, uh, if you do it through Amazon, it's the same way. Well, what hmm. I it's just it just encouraging me to be a, a Billy Tutorial. I'm going to start getting all the seasons on DVD. That's because the completeness, mm-hmm. the completest of me is just like saying, wait, if I'm going to only my only exposure to Doctor Who now is going to be through BBC America. Bag bat. Yeah. Well, you that's th- th- I really like that through Amazon. I paid for the season. Mm-hmm. And as the shows come out, they drop into my Your little own bin stuff. There. Okay. And I can watch it that way. And I don't have to deal with commercials. Nice. I noticed it when I was watching um, the Rosa Parks episode. I was yeah. watching it on TV and I'm like, I-, I can't sit through all these commercials. No, it's terrible. Yeah. And it's terrible. Two days later, my husband and I were watching it um, on on demand and there were parts that I had missed that were, was in the on demand. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Hmm. So, the, well, we can't leave until we talk about two things. Okay. One, the new sonic screwdriver. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. That she made herself. Yep. And two, the companions. We haven't really touched much mm-hmm. on them. We've talked about okay. them a little bit, but... Mm. Well, the screwdriver, we can have a conversation about running in the, all along. That's fine. But, yeah, the, the, the companion dynamic is a lot different, isn't it, now? Mm-hmm. Um, Do you feel there's too many of them? No, no. no. There have been there have been several <laughs> occasions, and I don't understand what people have said over the years. But in New Who, you haven't had that many before. However, in in Old Who, that has happened on a couple of occasions where the doctors had up to two or three people in it all the time. And I remember, you know, Amy and Rory and Captain Jack all at the same time. Mm-hmm. And I don't have a problem with the number. I, I was just wondering if... I don't think it's a problem. Because personally. I do, I like Ryan and yeah. Yaz and, and uh, Graham. Graham. I, mm-hmm. I do like them as characters. And I'm, I'm watching the dynamic between Ryan and Graham. I'm, wa- I'm waiting for them to just bond <clears throat> like crazy. Yeah, at some point, Ryan's riding a bike. Yeah. They're going to hug. It's, yeah. you know. it's uh, an I, adventuring party. Yeah. I th- it's exactly <laughs> It really it, it, is. It is. Yeah. Yep. Um, and going back to the original episodes, mm-hmm. the very first series had three companions. Yep. Susan, Barbara, and Ian mm-hmm. for good two and a half years mm-hmm. before uh, Susan departed first. I think Nora was Barbara and Ian. I think Barbara and Ian. Barbara and Ian departed first, and then Susan. Departed. I haven't watched all of yeah. old, but. Um, well, the fifth, Peter Davison had Tegan, Nissa, and Adric for quite some time. Uh, he, the fourth had picked him up, you mm-hmm. know, so they were all together. And, and so there are there are several occasions where the doctor had multiple companions. I don't think that's the problem. I think people are just having a hard time adjusting, which is weird because this fandom should be used to things being not normal. That that it's not going to stay a, a certain dynamic for long. It's going to change. People are going to come. People are going <clears> to <throat> go. Faces are going to change. The storyline is going to change. So, um, you know. I think they're looking at this because first with several companions, there's been, even if nothing was done with it, there was some romantic undertones yeah, going on. Yeah, which is on. new only to New Who, really. Uh, at the Aztecs. Well, the doctor was engaged. Yeah, but he was also not <laughs> thoroughly in on the plan. He, oh, like, he had a date. Yeah. <laughs> Did he marry like one of the queens of England? <laughs> ten, ten is married too. Uh, uh, no, ten married Queen Elizabeth the first. Um, 
it was implied that four actually flirted with, um, oh, I can't remember the queen. It was like Mary Queen of Scots. Uh, and, and there was also a couple of implications that seven uh, had a, a, a few dalliances with, um, I can't remember. I can't remember now. It's just there's, there's the, the thoughts are not in my head at the moment. And, and 11 married River Song. Yes. Who was a queen in and her own right, I suppose. Possibly <laughs> someone else. He wasn't quite sure. Marilyn Monroe. Yes, he wasn't quite yeah. sure. <laughs> um, yeah. But I mean, okay, so you've got you've got the ninth doctor. There was a little bit mm-hmm. of not as much, but when you hit ten and rose. Yeah, ten and roses, yeah. Then Martha's ginormous crush, On which ten. I think was just it kind of ruined her character mm-hmm. for me. Mm-hmm. Um, to the point where there are people today that still argue that Donna was in love with Ten. And I'm like, what? No. No. Not a chance. No. Not a chance. Ten, Dean Paul. Donna, Donna loved Ten mm-hmm. as, as her, like her a best sibling. friend. Yep. As a, yeah. She, he was the younger sibling that she had to kind of guide in the right direction. That's the way yeah. she treated him. Like, yeah. you're an idiot. No, here, come <laughs> do, this, do this thing now. You have to do, no, you have to do this thing now. Yep. There was a little bit implied in, in this season, episode four, when... Yaz's mom asked Yaz, if, are you two dating? And the doctor looks at her and says, are we? <laughs> <laughs> and she's like, no. <laughs> it was very funny. Yes, that was cute. But I don't think that was actually meant to be a thread of romance. It was meant to be kind of a toss away, kind of, a, ah, that's cute. I, well, yeah. I yeah. Then Because then her mom also asked Yaz if she was dating Ryan. Yeah. So I think the mom dynamic. Yes. Yeah, the you, mom, mom's just making sure. Are you with sure. them because you're dating somebody here? Yeah. <laughs> I'll are understand you it better. Anybody? I think they were establishing that they're all friends. That right. There mm-hmm. is no romance in that. Right. They're all just friends. Graham, Graham really wants to be that grandfather figure to Ryan. Mm-hmm. Ryan's not having anything to do with it yet, but I think the two of them are. are He's softening. Uh, Ryan's softening. softening you're but seeing, it's going to take a little It's going to take a few more episodes, I think. I, I But that fist bump is coming. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, I think that. that Graham being so quick to call him his grandson in the Rose Park a- Parks episode. Yes. I think really went a long way because that could have been very dangerous for Graham. Yes, but Graham didn't care that he right. was putting nope. his foot down and saying, mm-hmm. no, that's my grandson. Leave him alone. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, and, and Ryan got a, you know, got up some appreciation over the fact that Graham was so willing to just step up that. and say that. I My prediction is Graham's departure may not be Ryan's departure. They may leave together or they may leave separately. But on Graham's departure, you're going to see Ryan call him granddad. Hmm. So that's that's my prediction. That's going to be it's going to be the full circle of the story. It's gonna it's going to tie it in a bow. Well, it seems that um, there's more references to families and siblings and mm-hmm. things that are coming up because um, they've mentioned that the doctor had siblings. Siblings was yeah. the first time that they mentioned it in this this that, season. No, that's the first. I'm going to be honest. As a longtime fan, there may have been something in in an episode that I've missed. But I've seen just about everything out there, and right. that's the first time the doctor's ever talked yeah. about actually having siblings. Right. It says, um, what I'm watching here, it says, we got this covered.com. It says, now that we know, th- we know that the doctor had parents, children, grandchildren, but this is the first time that siblings have been mentioned. Yes. Perhaps key to that phrase that she used to have scissor- sisters, either implying that they're now long dead or perhaps they themselves regenerated into men. This hint is it an at an unseen past family of the doctor might also been slyly referenced in The Woman Who Fell to Earth when the doctor spoke about how her family may be dead to the world, but they're not dead to me. Right. So 
it's like they don't know which way they're going to go, but mm-hmm. um, but a little hint at the end, it says, after all, we still need to find out who or what the timeless child is. Yeah, you know, <laughs> I got to tell, mommy? I'm going to call, I'm going to call complete bullshit on, <laughs> on uh, Chris Chibnall because he meant... <laughs> He, for the entire time, he's like, no, there will yeah, be no, no overlying, uh, there are going to be no overlying arcs. There's going to be no, yeah, no, no. continuing. St- and then he breaks out the timeless child. Lying sack. <laughs> you lying sack. You, you, you little mother. Uh, you know, I'm going to mother hugger that bastard right there for that one. So, yeah, uh-huh. you, you see it coming. And now, now I'm keen. I'm in. I'm interested mm-hmm. to see where this is going to go. Are you go. my mummy? Are you my mummy? I don't that's think that's. My, that's that one, one of my that, favorite episodes. That that's a great episode. Yeah. That totally freaked me out. And, uh, you know, my favorite was the, you know. I'm so happy that there's finally some callbacks in, and New Who has done what Old Who did not do. I mean, Classic had the monsters, the reoccurring monsters, the relationship with the Master, okay, all that, those things were always kind of like continuity. But Four did not make references to Two, Three did not make references to One, you know, Six did not make references to, to Four or Five. It was one of those things that just, I'm like, you have all of this stuff that you could have made inside jokes with you and you missed it. In addition to um, to the thirteenth Doctor referencing the twelfth Doctor as the white-haired Scotsman, and right. my arms used to be longer, uh-huh. um, she references the fourth Doctor mm-hmm. when she nearly falls from a crane when she sees a woman wearing a multicolored scarf. Yes, and uh, and then there's also the regeneration en- energy, like with tenth, uh-huh. and the post regeneration amnesia was first by the seventh and most profoundly experienced by the eighth. Yes. So I do like that, too. Yeah. You I know mean, me in continuity. New, new, well, no, I mean, it, it's New Who is not afraid to make references to everything. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, and the, and the, the reason I brought this whole tangent up was the fact that you had Are You My Mummy in the ninth, and then then in the Suntaran uh, stratagem, yeah. the <laughs> Ten somehow gets his hands on a gas mask, he looks at the general and goes, Are You My Mummy? And yeah, it was just that him. one throwaway line. It's like, oh, my God, that's awesome. So... <laughs> Yep. So make those references, make them constant, because you have this over 2,000-year-old character that has seen a lot of stuff. Mm-hmm. You know, he's seen some stuff. I'm going to keep calling him he just because it's easier that way. Yeah. So. Oh, and I've always, one of my favorite things about Twelve's uh, characterization is the two photographs on his desk in his yeah. office. Yeah, River and Susan. And Susan, the two most important women in his life. Yep. And I love how I told them both to shut up. <laughs> you shut up. And you too. <laughs> so, I mean, that's, I think that's just the way to, to look at it is, is that the show is always going to be evolving. Sometimes it may step in a direction you're not comfortable with, but stick with it because it will always come through. Any rumors? That we've heard that we... Uh, I haven't heard a single rumor at the moment. Now, here's the thing. Um, Chibnall said on several occasions, no classic monsters, everything is new, no overreaching you know, character arcs, no no story, no, no B-plots that are going to hover all the way through. We've already, like we talked about a moment ago, the B-plot thing has been thrown out the window. He's lied. The timeless child thing is now something we're all going to be watching. So does that mean that the no classic monsters rule has also been a lie? I heard a rumor. Tell me a rumor. That they were going to bring back Jenny. Oh, I'd love to hear that. That would be great. <laughs> what? Now, hang wow. on a second. Other than sounding like a dying seal, was that a, a cheer of delight or a like, oh my God, no? That's a. Uh, it's a happy sound. Is that a happy sound? Yes, she loves Jenny. Okay. She loves Georgia Moffat. They've been talking about bringing Jenny back on and off for about four years now, and and I do believe she's actually had her own big finished audio at mm. this point. 
So yeah, there's a character that is that is ripe for usage, and I think it would be funny to have Jenny show up and and like and keep calling the Doctor Dad. That would yeah. be awesome. That'd be hilarious. <laughs> you know, I think that would be a, that would be funny if not maybe a smidge on the gimmicky side, but you know, I don't care. You know, <laughs> it exactly. amuses me. Dad, I need to talk to you about something, and then you know, there's Jody turning her head. You know, I, I just there would be an interesting dynamic there, and so I would like to see that. I would have liked to have seen them to do more with Jenny. Right from the get go. Yeah. I like to I would like to have seen her take off with ten instead of, you know, have that whole death scene there. But that's another story. It was entirely. a good death scene though. It was. Yeah. It was. Not enough blood. Where the hell did she get shot? I'm gonna say. Mm-hmm. I that's, I'm too American in that commentary, I know. I'm sorry. What do you think of the new TARDIS? I haven't seen enough of it to really get a vibe off of it yet. Yeah. I, it's it's got like this organic crystalline steampunk thing going on, which is kind of nice. Which goes along with her screwdriver. Yeah, a little bit of hive technology, a little, little bit there. L- little hive, little little honeycomb action there. Um, it's so different. I'm having trouble wrapping my mind around it. Yeah, I had seen um, a picture that's completely different. Uh, somebody leaked, quote unquote, leaked a uh, um, what they thought was the the console room of, for the new series, and it was very throwback to the original first Doctors, uh, which I thought would be cool. And then when I didn't see it, and I see this organic crystalline thing, I'm like, oh, they're kind of trying to channel nine and tens a little bit. Um, but my favorite console room of the entire history of the show was twelves. Mm, I really liked elevens. Well, 12 is only just kind of, it's 11 yeah. with extra bookcases, basically. Yeah, pretty much. Um, and I think that's that's that added touch that made 12s better than 11's version I of just it. love that they refer to it as desktop. Yes. <laughs> you change the desktop. Change desk- the desktop. <laughs> um, and then I thought it was cute, the, the throw, the, you know, the doctor will inevitably show up and go, oh, you've redecorated. I don't like it. Well, this time, oh, you've redecorated. I like it a lot. <laughs> so I thought that was kind of nice. That was, I, that was I also cool. thought it was interesting that I think this might be the first time it wasn't the doctor choosing it, but mm-hmm. the TARDIS chose it. And this is what the, and the TARDIS no. chose something so different. Matt Smith's. His, uh, his original console room, the TARDIS came up with it on its own. Did it? I don't remember yep. that. Because I, I remember really... him at the beginning, of, at the end of his first episode. He opens up the door and he's looking. He's like, "Oh, look at you! Oh, you sexy thing!" He's just—he was marveling I, I, over it. I never saw that as. Oh, I just thought as, "Oh my God, I'm back and yeah. you're here." I never saw that as, "Oh, I, this is the first time I'm seeing this." Yeah, no, it, it, he did not have anything to do with that one. So I think it's great. Um, some of the theories are mm-hmm. that um, because of her. Well, the previous doctor, the mm-hmm. TARDIS is throwing a fit and redecorating how she wants to be. <laughs> <laughs> yes. I'm not listening to you anymore. Right. You keep screwing me up. You keep regenerating in the console room and blowing everything to hell. So the hell with you. I'm out of here. <laughs> I'm doing whatever I want to do at this point. Um, think, think the 13th doctor will still call the TARDIS sexy? It's possible. Oh, yes. <laughs> it's oh, possible. Yes. You notice a color change? Like I've noticed the TARDIS yeah. outside is slightly more green yes. than it is blue. Yes. It's a darker blue, yeah. yeah. I and mean, it's a throwback to the originals because yeah. the TARDIS was an entirely different color scheme over the years. It's ch- The exteriors changed as much as the interiors changed over the years. And I see the current exterior blue uh, very <clears throat> similar to Pertwee's and, ba- and Tom Baker's mm-hmm. TARDIS than, than, you know, Matt's. Matt's always threw me off because it was always too clean. It was like perfectly painted and and bigger 
Like the his his exterior was structurally bigger than anybody else's TARDIS before him. So it was like, wait, what what's this all about? It's almost like a didn't wasn't there like an episode where they do comment that the exterior got bigger? Yeah. Yeah, and I think it was actually um I think it was a in the in the in Peter Capaldi episode. It was in the final Peter Capaldi when he meets up with the first when twelve meets one. Yeah. And they're going through their adventure together. They're both on the verge of regenerating together. Mm-hmm. And I thought that was a great twist, by the way. That was yeah. very cool. And then you see one's TARDIS next to 12's, and you see the dramatic difference yeah. in, in the structure of see, them. See, I always saw um, 11's being a bit bigger as kind of a... Um, as a, The young man in his sports car, the midlife crisis? No, no. <laughs> um, it was kind of uh, it was foreshadowing for what was going to happen with the TARDIS on Trenzalore. Oh, okay. It was sl- because okay. in, from the very first episode, we're seeing the crack, and we're seeing things getting weird. Right. And no, so I see what you're saying. I saw that as kind of like a okay, this is our first hint mm-hmm. of Trenzalore. Gotcha. I didn't pick up on that. Good stuff. I did not think of that. That's awesome. Well, Deanna had asked me what was the whole thing about the cookie. Oh yeah, she had asked me about it, but I hadn't seen it yet. Now, because um, I just looked at it, because that's like the cookie one, dispenser. The cookie dispenser, and um, it says the new Doctor Who TARDIS has a custard cream dispenser. Just so, and I just looked it up because um, it says the custard cream dispenser became an instant hit with Doctor Who fans, who always seem to love when the series blends sci-fi and British culture in the weirdest of ways. Mm-hmm. Um, custard cream biscuits or whatever cookies are yeah. Jodie Whittaker's favorite. So okay. the designer of the console room for the TARDIS uh-huh. put a cookie dispenser built into the into TARDIS. The console. So all she has to do is push a p- pedal with hit, her hit foot. A pedal and she gets a cookie. And she gets a cookie. Now, so, they have not made any further references to it since no, the first time you but, see it. but that's what, so... I think a lot of, you know, so Deanna's question like to... She asked, yeah, she asked me about it and I'm like, I hadn't seen the episode yet, so I really wasn't sure what, you know, she was referring to. And then I read all of the, you know, I went to the forums. Oh, did you? <laughs> yeah. The big reaction is the fact that people think it's that one step too whimsical, right? And it's silly. <laughs> Which, thank you. Sherry, my reaction was the same as yours. It's like, what? Really? Oh I love God. it. That's it's like no step. Yeah. I'm like, it's I'm no s- different than Tom, um, Robert Downey Jr. planting snacks, snacks all, all over, over the, the yeah. Avengers set. Yeah, there was, they, were, they were finding snacks all over the Helicarrier set. Yeah, so it's no him. different than that. It's no, just, it's... it's I think what you're finding here are people, this is what I'm going to, I'm making an assumption at this point. You have the bulk of fans of the new series that have been fans on board since 2005. The the bulk of the people who have been having such a grudge against the show never got over David Tennant's departure. Every episode needs to have David Tennant with Russell T. Davies writing it or else it's going to suck. Nothing will ever match David Tennant. And I'm not going to throw shade at David Tennant because I loved him. I'm I'm throwing shade at all the morons out there who don't get the show. They don't understand that it's about evolution. It's about change. It's about looking at things from a different angle. It's maybe see you might see the Daleks every year for 12 years straight, but you're going to see them differently because you're going to see it di- from a different doctor. You're going to see it from a different angle, a different you know. But then after a while, they get old. And guess what? The Daleks disappeared for six years in classic Who. So people bitching and pissing and moaning about the fact that there's no Daleks this season are in the wrong. Bre- Brendan Toogood, you're still a moron. Anyway. <laughs> um, and, and I'm sorry. Some of the worst episodes uh-huh. of New Who uh-huh. have been 
during Ten's tenure. Oh, yeah. Some oh, yeah. of the worst. And well, you know what? There have been a, there's been one or two in eleven, and and a couple in twelve that I didn't like either. But mm-hmm. you know what? That doesn't mean that the show sucks. No. It just means once in a while they're going to try something and it doesn't quite work. Love and Monsters. Oh my God. Was horrible. Um. Oh, what's the the one with the little girl and the drawing and? Oh, fear her. Fear her. I liked that episode. I, I know you do. We've talked about it before. I didn't find it as, as offensive as you did, but I didn't find it one of the best. You know, it was and one of those. And anything with the Slovene. That's true. Yeah, the Slovene are, are not exactly, you know, the farting aliens. That's just, come on. <laughs> it's like, wait, what? Anyway. Although uh, Boomtown. Was better. Was good because it wasn't as Slovene. It was still, you know, yeah. she was still there, but yeah. it was different. Anyway. Um but yeah, there was a whole bunch of Sarah Jane adventures that dealt with the Sylvine, and I was like, eh, maybe not. No, that's not. <laughs> but, you know, you're going to have series where you're going to have an episode that doesn't quite work. But if you chalk off, if you write off the whole series, the whole TV show, because it's not what you think it should be, might be the wrong way to look at it. Then you might not, you might not be in the right fandom. Maybe. I'm thinking. Am I, am I being too harsh? And literally, if you don't like something, stop watching it. Yeah, seriously. Yeah. You don't it's have to it's make not a, a law. It. Yeah. It's not a law. You have to watch it then. Stop you know, watching it. I've given up on shows that I've, I've decided mm-hmm. weren't for me anymore. Mm-hmm. I, I, I hung in there. You know what? I hung in there. This is this. Uh, I was a Boston Red Sox fan from 1983 on. There were some lean years, okay? I took some shit for that. And, and I hung in there for all of the Sixth Doctor. And there's a lot of Sixth Doctor stories that are not good. And I hung in there for a lot of the early Seventh were, were disjointed. Later Seventh was pretty damn cool, but I, that's no fault of the character. The actors were great. Colin Baker, awesome human being. Sylvester McCoy, fantastic actor. Okay? But th- they, had, they had some episodes in those series that weren't very good. You know, there's... I'm trying to think of a Ninth Doctor episode. There's only, what, 13 of them, because he only did the one series. Uh, the one where uh, he goes to Satellite 5 the first time, and Simon Pegg is playing the, the frozen uh, whatever narrator or whatever the uh, editor-in-chief or producer, whatever mm-hmm. his character's name was. I, I didn't like that particular episode, but did I write off the series? No. Fear Her. Boom. You know, uh, Fear Her, Love and Monsters. Did that end me watching David Tennant? No. You know, the end of time was awesome, but there was some some jump the shark moments in it. I was not a fan of Water of Mars. Water of Mars was tough. Uh, Victory of the Daleks was a horrible episode. Like Matt Smith getting angry for no do- good damn reason. What was that all about? And in, in the new episode, Christopher Noth put on a terrible performance as the the guy. Well, the, I, I liked a lot of it, but he mm-hmm. gave one particular what we call. Uh, Amazing acting moment when he uh, reacted to the spider with a big ah! Yeah, <laughs> that was yeah. just like uh. um, he was. I, I, that was too ham-fisted of an attempt to make a commentary about Trump. I think yes, it was yes. too ham-fisted. Uh-huh. You know, but I love the Rosa Park episodes. Yeah, I, I, I didn't particularly care for the spider episode. Yeah, and there's gonna be some. Bumps I didn't in hate the road it always, but that doesn't mean that means does not yeah. mean the show sucks. Exactly. You know, it's lasted for 55 re- years for a reason. You know, so I don't know. Just people just need to just take a breath, have an open mind, and enjoy the show. 
just enjoy the ride. And it's going to keep going, whether we like it or not. So there you have it. <coughs> Anything else we want to talk about? I'm sure that uh, sooner or later we'll have more to talk about. Oh, I'm sure. We only have five episodes currently. So. I know. Seriously. I'm looking forward to seeing more of what, she, of more of what she's got. Right now she's only signed on for this season. Oh, that would be a shame if she left. Yeah, I think so. Right, right now yeah. she's only confirmed for this season. I thought she would have a three-year contract. No? She's only confirmed for one season only. For one season. And that could be that they're renegotiating contracts or whatever, but uh-huh. I was just looking. She's only... They probably wanted on. a way out in case it backfired in their faces. I don't know. So I uh, hope she signs on for more. I really do. I would I would hate to see... Uh, a, a I would hate to see this like become... Christopher Eccleston. I would hate to see this to be an experiment. Hmm. And now back to a white guy. You know, now, now you're in. Let's Let's go all in. At any point, American... I don't I think don't so. No. I honestly don't no. think that would ever happen because this is going to be a uh this this is a British icon. The BBC will always be behind it. You're going to see American companions. I think you might actually see other time lords pop up down the road and one of them may be an American. Um but the doctor being an American actor, I don't think will ever happen. I I don't I think agree. so. And I hope not um, unless they do a really good British accent. My my first, I would see he pop he he just <laughs> happens to run into Doctor Sam Beckett. There you go, that would be amazing. The doctor fixes Sam Beckett's leaping, <laughs> sends oh. him home, <laughs> so you get the ultimate crossover of shows. <laughs> um, here are my predictions for future doctors. You will see an African, uh, African English mm-hmm. instead of African American. I guess a black doctor. You're going to see a black doctor. You're going to see an Asian doctor. Um, you're going to see a Harry Potter kid. One of the Harry Potter kids will come back to play the Ooh, doctor. That's, yeah. Down Tom the road. Tom Felton. Tom Felton is up there. I'd say Rupert Grint. So he could finally be Ginger. Ginger. Um, I would even go so far as to predict Emma Watson. Emma Watson as the Ooh. doctor. Is I would that good I will, or bad. I will throw that down. Yes. I will throw that out there. Or or this would be even, this would be the Harry Potter fandom dream. Rupert Grint as the doctor with Emma Watson coming back as Romana. <laughs> Okay, so you or have the two, opposite. or yeah, <laughs> and then having Rupert Grint as Romana, yes. that would be hilarious. Okay, yes. that's a great tip. I love that. That's phenomenal. Hint, hint, BBC. Yeah, no, seriously. Um, but no, you're going to see a Harry Potter kid. You're going to see a black actor. You're going to see an Asian actor. Uh, you're going to probably see uh, uh, an Eastern Indian. I actually thought we were going to see a black male doctor before we'd see a woman. I didn't think so. Very thoughts. So. I didn't think that was going to happen. Um, but yeah, you're going to see with Chris Chibnall, you're going to see the door open up to the, anybody can be the, the part, which is great mm-hmm. as, it, as it should be. I agree. As it should be. I don't have a problem with that at all. So when I say that, it's not going to be, oh, it's just the social justice warriors. I'm sorry, but Star Trek and Doctor Who are all about it. Mm-hmm. Even Star Wars to its own degree is, is about diversity in, in, in life. It says, so, solve problems and battle injustice across the universe. Yeah. So if you're going to go ahead and say, oh, it's a social justice warrior casting, then you don't understand science fiction. It's not that you're not a, you're not, you don't understand Doctor Who. You don't understand science fiction. But that's another commentary for another day because we've been warming up for an assault on, on no. closed-mindedness for a while. Yes, we have. Yes, we have. We're, we're gearing there. So you may see we're this podcast there. go we're ahead going. there in that direction. But anyway. Break? Break. Okay. <laughs> that sounds good. And because that, it's a, this is a bit of a stretch, but since we're talking about doctors and time, comedian Brian Reagan, and why doctors are always late. <laughs> you ever go to a brand new doctor 
And the moment he walks in, you're like, no. <laughs> I was sitting there, I'm nervous enough. Doctor walks in, all the buttons on his lab coat were off by one. <laughs> if he can't nail that task, I don't think I want his doctor paws on me. And I know this is gonna sound like I'm making this up. This is the absolute truth. He was late. I don't get that. I don't get why it's okay for the doctor to be late. If I have a two o'clock appointment, I want the doctor looking at me at two o'clock. And the only way, the only way I think it would be okay for the doctor to be late is if at five of two, you're in the waiting room and you notice from under the door that leads to the back rooms, a pool of blood. I think we might be delayed. <laughs> then it would be okay for him to be five minutes late. <laughs> clamp whatever's doing that and get me back there. I want to hear a clamp noise and him saying, my two o'clock is here. <laughs> <laughs> So that was a conversation we'll, we'll be having again. I think this time, uh, this time next year, once the whole first season is done, series eleven, and we're getting ready for series twelve, there will be no Christmas special. No. This year, I was told about that, and that's I understand the reasoning behind that. They've tapped that that keg so many times that they don't want to, you know, get into a gimmick kind of a thing. But they'll do something special for Christmas nonetheless. So you'll see Jody again at Christmas time. Um, and hello. Do we have any events coming up? We do. We have awesome. a wine and design night for uh, Mighty Monkey Corporation, um, our fundraiser. So we're going to be painting a painting called Time and Space. If you Ooh. can't get what it's about, wink, wink. Um, <laughs> is it blue in the shape of a rectangular box that might have a door on it? It is. It's oh, very, very pretty. It is very pretty. So tickets are $35, and they're sold online at Wine and Design North Chiline. Um you can bring your own wine or beer to drink. Um, we have glasses and corkscrews there for availability. Come 15 minutes early, and uh, we'll have it all set up. You can bring a light snack, but we will be having some snacks there as well. It Woo-hoo. is uh, 4165 Buffalo Road. We're in the Salvatore's Old Fashioned Pizza Pizzeria uh, Plaza. We're like three doors down from there. So if you have any questions, you can uh, find us on Facebook and Ask questions. We always answer them. Yes. And the, and the tickets are already on sale, so don't wait and miss out. And the tickets are it. also already selling, yes. too. Makes, More makes a great point. Christmas present. I know I've got, I bought mine already. Yes, we've already sold quite a few, and there's a <laughs> limit of only 35 tickets. And if we get more than 35 people, that we will do a second? We will do a second event, yeah. Okay. I have to get a ticket for that, because I want to go to that. Yes. Yes, you do. I would love to say, yes, I'm going to be there. But it's January. And you're traveling two, <laughs> two hours. hours. Yes. Yeah. Each yeah. way. Well, January 26th yeah. is the weekend between the last NFL game before the Super Bowl weekend. Mm-hmm. It's so there the is Pro nothing. Bowl weekend that nobody really watches. Yes. Yes. Okay. Very cool. And that's our, our big event that we're working and on right now. And it's Saturday. It's a Saturday. At 2 o'clock in the afternoon. It so is. it's a perfect time. Snazzy. You can sleep in and go home early. It works out well. Perfect. Yeah. Mm-hmm. All right. Hey, Sherry. Chris. 
If somebody would want to be part of the FC3 Monkey business experience, what would they? How would they go about doing that? Well, there's several ways they could go Lovely. about. It's doing almost that. like there's a, like we were planning that. <laughs> asking oh. is huge. Yeah, asking is definitely <laughs> and huge. knowing That's is half the battle. One. Knowing, <laughs> knowing is half the battle. The more you know. Are we okay. going to not a book club GI Joe now? Is that what's happening? I, no. We need to. No. Yes. No. <laughs> uh, okay. The first way is to become a sponsor. Okay, we have sponsorship levels of all kind and are willing to custom create sponsorship packets. Please contact us at sponsorships at fc3roc.org. Nice. Next is by supporting us on Patreon. Please check us out at www.patreon.com backslash fc3roc. All membership levels will include access to the patron-only blog, plus tons of great perks at all levels. Special shout-outs to our see-no-evil-tier patrons, James Irish, Jen Bevan, and our own Tanya Metris. Hi. Hey. <laughs> Want to help others find our show? Please leave us a review wherever <clears throat> you listen to us. You can find us on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, iHeartRadio, Spreaker, Podbean, YouTube, and Stitcher. Is there a place where you find your podcasts and you can't find FC3 Monkey Business? Let us know, and I will do my best to fix that. And please, please, please follow us on Twitter at FC3MB Podcast. And if you do, please say hi. We love it when you say hi. We really do. It's true. It's our validation moment of the day. <gasps> please say hi. Hello. Thank you for being so noticed by the popular people. I get so excited when I'm like, a new follower. <laughs> so we've got an in memoriam section here. Uh, legendary stuntwoman Kitty O'Neill passed away November 2nd of 2018 in South Dakota at the age of 72. Now, if you're not familiar with the name, O'Neill was best known for her work as Linda Carter's stunt double on Wonder Woman. She also worked hit movies such as The Blues Brothers and Smokey and the Bandit 2. Uh, the stuntwoman lost her hearing when she was five months old after she contracted measles and smallpox and she learned to read lips. O'Neill performed a number of stunts, including the time she plunged headfirst from a hotel to an airbag near the pool. She made history when she set the land speed record for women drivers in 1976, and that she still holds that record <coughs> to this day. O'Neill was so popular that she got her own Barbie doll in a television movie about her life, Silent Victory, the, the, Kate, uh, excuse me, the Kitty O'Neill story in 1979, in which she was portrayed by Stockard Channing. And in 1982, she retired from stunt work. So all, all hail uh, Kitty and uh, rest in peace. That was that's an amazing person to think about. And actually, I have one person to add. I, I just read this on a blog yesterday, and mm -hmm. it's a name you probably don't know. His name is John Rogers, mm -hmm. uh, but he passed away. He was the president of Comic Con International since 1986. Oh wow! So he was the head of San Diego Comic Con. Wow! Much, uh, and he passed away from brain cancer oh. uh, late last week. So John Rogers, rest in peace. Thank How you old for was all he? the work. He was. Uh, let me see today. You know, it doesn't say. I'll have to look. I'm sorry. I should have done more research. <coughs> That's all right. all right. I do not know. Well, while you're working on that, I'm going to go down to the other end of the table and say, hey, Monk. Hi. My beloved little Alana. Hello. Question of the week time, baby. Okay, let's do this. What are you reading, listening to, playing, or watching that is making your geeky little heart happy right now? Uh, the new episode of What Olympus came out. Okay. I was reading that this morning. Mm-hmm. It was just like, yay. Now, what is that? Uh, Laura Olympus, I I've mentioned it before. It's mm -hmm. the story of Persephone. Persephone? Persephone. Persephone and Hades retold in a more modern setting. Okay. All right. And I'm enjoying it 
immensely. Well, good stuff. How long has this been going on for? Um, I don't, I'm not exactly sure. Okay. Uh, they update on Sundays. It's, is it, it's Lower Olympus? Lore. Lore, L-O-R-E, Lore Olympus. Yes. Okay. It's on Webtoons is the app that you can get it on. It's free. Okay. And the current episode has Cerberus in it, and it's just like, yay! Puppy! Puppies! <laughs> <laughs> hey, Tanya, fabulous over there. Yes. What are you reading, listening to, playing, or watching that is making your geeky little heart happy this week? Oh, there's just too much. Um, I don't even know where to start. <laughs> <laughs> well, pick something. Pick something. Um, and you know what? I'm just... Are you blanking? I am. I, I have You've not been, been going feeling good. Yeah, you haven't been feeling well lately. This week. So, I mean, I've been reading a little bit on uh, a book on my phone. I couldn't even tell you what the name of it was. This was like are one you going to be up for this, this afternoon? I, that's why I'm not necessarily like... Spending energy right now. Yes, because okay. I'm... No, I mean, I've been watching um, some episodes of Buffy to get ready for our next um, podcast. Uh-huh. And I've caught up on my NCIS and I've caught up... I've been catching up on... Um, uh, Supernatural, catching up on DC Legends of Tomorrow. I have not started the new seasons of Flash, though. But one of my students at school is like, come on, catch up. Mm-hmm. And so I've just been doing lots of odds and ends type thing. And yeah, I've been so far I've, I've been exhausted this week, so yeah. I couldn't even tell you which way is up right now. Huh. Well, I'm so, sorry to hear that. I hope you feel mm, better soon. Other than me just sitting here. And I'm still helping Billy find out how old John Rogers was. Yeah, it's hard to find. <laughs> <laughs> It's, yeah, his I can't age find is, has, he looks relatively young. We're going to say he's 56. Just because. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Works for me. It, there you it go. looks about right. He was 56. Maybe a little older. Maybe he's maybe he's older yeah. or maybe he's younger. But all right. Anyway, okay. hey Billy, how about you? Uh my new favorite TV show. Is? My wife and I have watched two and a half seasons in about a week. Okay. The first two seasons on Netflix and now we've DVR'd all of this season or watch it on demand so far. Uh-huh. The Good Place, starring Kristen Bell and, <laughs> and Ted Danson. I have caught a couple of episodes that of it. Show that show is the funniest show I've seen in years. Like I I don't laugh out loud at sitcoms very often, uh-huh. and this show makes me laugh out loud. Ted Danson hasn't lost his stride, has he? No, no. and Kristen no. Bell, the whole ensemble cast okay. is fantastic. Well, Kristen Bell, is she's, she's not afraid of anything. She's a very fearless actress, yes. I've noticed. She'll, yes. she'll throw it out there. Her commercials with her husband uh-huh. killed me. Oh, God, me. The, the, the washing machine commercials. Oh, and when she was pregnant. Yeah. And, oh, my God. Is she the one that will lie to her children if they have something to do that, that they're if, on a Saturday that their birthday's not that day, that it's whatever? <laughs> it sounds I, like something she It sounds like something she'd I've say. I've seen something like yeah. on Ellen or whatever. Uh-huh. She's saying that, that she will like... lie to her children about the day of their birthday yeah. if they have something else going on that day. Yeah. So I highly recommend The Good Place. Okay. And... Hello. Same question, darling. Well, other than watching Doctor Who recently, I've been a little overwhelmed reading business journals on fundraising and mm. uh, running a not-for-profit corporation. Yeah, because you've been kind of been doing that lately, haven't you? <laughs> yeah, so I've um, been lucky enough to take on, um, well, I've been taken on by several local organizations, and they're mentoring me on how to be more successful. Cool. Teach me, mold me, use me. <laughs> I can't call that. Uh, she's eating a cookie right now, so Tanya doesn't have a comment at the moment. <laughs> I'm open to suggestions on something that can take up my time to help me not just focus on this all the time. I'm already I'm I'm finishing up painting in my house, so I, I can't can't 
tap dancing. I, I suggest tap dancing. <laughs> oh, yes. <laughs> that sounds like fun. I should try that. Mm, maybe on Monday nights. There's this great class from 8.15 to 9. Oh, no. My feet still hurt. Mm. <laughs> My body hurts. Mm, sounds delicious. Yeah, I know. <laughs> There's a cookie in my mouth, so. So anyway. I, I get caught with that all the time yeah. on radio, so. Yeah. Oh, Sherry. Hi. Hello. Hello. Um, I've mentioned before that I'm I'm a little bit of a Kickstarter junkie. Yes. Um, you have a bad habit. I have a, I have a bad habit. But I'm, I have to say, I'm, I don't spend a ton when I do it. I get a lot of, um, uh, PDFs and things mm-hmm. for different things, and usually it's they're RPG related, but sometimes they're other things. And um, usually you pay for it, and then you don't get it for months. So I'll just randomly get something in the mail, and I'll be like, "What the heck is this?" I, I'll have no idea what it is. So I got one this week, and it was a comic book that I had kickstarted, um, and it's wonderful. I love it so much. It's called Wash Day. Mm-hmm. And it was, it's uh, was written by Jamila Rouser, and the um, artist is Robin Smith. Mm-hmm. Um, and it is, um, it's a slice of life comic. You, okay. know, you know what that is? It's just like kind of like a day in the life type mm-hmm. thing. And I'll just give you the the write up for it. Uh, Wash Day is a slice of life comic <laughs> that pays tribute to the beauty and endurance of black women in their hair. The story follows Kamana, a 26-year-old woman living in the Bronx as she cares for her long, thick hair. As Kim goes through her Sunday morning rituals, we see the highs and lows of her day from fresh coffee, rising rent, girl talk, and cat calls. Hmm. Sounds interesting. It's really good. And I meant to bring it so I could show you guys, and I walked mm-hmm. out of the house without it. But I am really, really enjoy- I really enjoyed it, and I would definitely kickstart another comic by these two amazing <coughs> ladies because it was it's a very simple story, but the artwork is gorgeous and it just tells it's just this is the way things are and it just is really really cool nice i enjoyed reading it yep mono read it after i did so it was neat coming home and one day and just it was in the mail Uh uh-huh well schnazzy and what's the name of that again it's called wash day wash day okay Mm -hmm. so christopher what are you reading listening to playing or watching that's making your geeky little heart happy right now this week has been kind of taken up by painting painting the house I'm, I'm almost done with all of the initial interior painting that I've wanted to do in the new place. Um, my goal was to kind of unify the house. It was very disjointed. Each room had kind of its own color scheme. Color scheme. I would say personality, but it really wasn't. Mm-hmm. Um, and so kind of bringing the whole place together. Uh, and so I'm almost <laughs> done with that. And when I've been taking a break from that, I've been getting a chance to play World of Warcraft, my, my, my go-to addiction. And when I'm not doing that, I've been playing Minecraft because... Your other go-to addiction. My other go-to addiction. So, I know I was actually very proud of myself yesterday. I leveled up three levels without you. Yes, you did great. Well, he was painting the house, and I was down because I couldn't talk. So I yeah. was downstairs Just playing. Away. Yep. She's starting to she's starting to understand the the true nature of what it means to be a I, world of war crack. I went off on my own. You did. Mm-hmm. Very proud of you. Good job. He, he logs on. He goes, "Where are you?" I'm like, "I don't know. Come and find me." He goes, "Okay." And, and he's I like, did, "Oh, there you I are." Can. So, but uh, yeah, I'm almost done with the painting project, and then I'm trying to think of what I think I might be done with just home improvement projects. I just want to start hanging art on the walls. Okay, so anyway, that's the, that's that's that, and so I'm gonna probably try to find something new to do after that's done. 
Christmas is coming, I think you have to decide where you're going to put your Christmas tree. Oh, I know exactly where I'm going to put the Christmas tree. It's going to be in the foyer. I'm going to move the rocking chair in the little oh, okay. end table, move those out, put the, the Christmas tree. And I'm going to get a real tree this year. I mean, yours is enough, yeah? The no, because it's not December. Oh, no. I'm one of those people who believes Christmas should actually be in December. So. You mean you're not Cri- going to put it up on the Friday after Thanksgiving like my Christmas mom does would not do? exist until December. Okay. Christmas is, is because here's the thing. Thanksgiving is one of my top two favorite you're holidays. You're cooking this year, aren't you? I'm not actually. No, your mom said I'm cooking? No. We have a Laura that We have a Laura just walked in at the very end. <coughs> Laura, you're just so. going to have to come back next week. She even has her Buffy jacket on for next uh, yeah. next podcast topic. So, um, no, because uh, it was bound up, it was going to only be my mom and I. And she's like, well, I have this invitation to one of her friends. And so we're like, okay, we'll take you up on that. So that's I'm not going to be cooking Thanksgiving at my house just yet. Next year, because I'll have the kids next year. So I'll do something next year. Okay. Invite a couple of extra people, maybe. We'll see. Maybe that can be a Patreon level. <laughs> Thanksgiving at Chris's <laughs> Thanksgiving house? Thanksgiving at Chris's house. Maybe Patreon level. I don't know. Anyway, we'll talk more about Thanksgiving later on. Extra bonus. Yes. So. All right, everybody. That's that. It's been, it's a good, that's a show. That's a good one. And this has been Monkey Business, a product of the Mighty Monkey Corporation, purveyors and producers of the Flower City Comic Con, coming at you sometime in 2019. We're pretty sure it's going to be the end of April, but we'll get to that. Uh, follow us on Facebook. Follow us on Twitter. Follow us on Instagram. Follow us wherever we go, and we will lead you to where the entertainment is so this wraps it up for a whole week we'll see you again on wednesday have a great one we love you take care see you. Dun, dun.